anybody hear that? It's a, um, it's an impact tremor is what it is. I'm fairly alarmed here. Come on, come on, come on, we gotta get out of here. We gotta get out of here. Now, now, right now. Go, 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 go. let's go. Hey. to the Only Movie Podcast. This is Andrew. This is Damien. <laughs> Watching him pick up the microphone. Like a, I mean, I don't have to. It's like a, a candy microphone. bar. Like a, he's, 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 it looked like you were like taking a, a like ice cream sandwich to your face. <laughs> oh my goodness. And and this is Douglas. Over to you, Andrew. <laughs> uh, as we continue to debate, when was Florence Machine's last album? It was 2018. Yeah. 2018. I want one from her. I need a new when Joy Badass, and I need a Nora Jones album. You know, I'm very upset with Joy Badass because I think maybe as long as it might have been before the pandemic, so maybe a year and a half ago, I went to his Twitter page because I was like, "When the fuck are you giving me new music?" and he posted on Twitter this thing about how, "Oh, look at this new new stuff coming up." That's a year and a half ago. Joey, where the fuck is my music? I mean, there was something happening for the last year and a half that yep. may have delayed. <laughs> but I don't knows? know if it's a sign of like the world is getting quote unquote better, mm-hmm. right? Like we know we're not normal yet, right? Far from it. But like vaccines are up in a lot of countries. Um, people are doing a lot of shenanigans. Sometimes it frightens me, like watching the Euros and seeing some of those crowds. I'm like, hmm. It's like, that seems um, like a bad idea. <laughs> right? I know I've read about the people saying like, no, they did, they were tested or they're vaccinated. I'm just like, I'm still frightened. Um, <laughs> um, but like, starting to see more movies and music come out now where like the people who were holding back like said last year yeah. who were like oh there's no way we're giving you the new <laughs> shit right <laughs> no we don't think we're going to make the money back okay. you guys and- need to buy uh toilet paper we cannot put out the album <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, yeah. i don't weird. know if it's a sign but i'm just noting it right uh, I- for people who like video games, next year is when you'll really see that there are some issues <laughs> over the last 18 months. Because there's no video games coming out this year. But boy, 2022. <laughs> Every video game you can think of is slated to come out next year. <laughs> it's like, we can't put it out this year. We had to close the studio for a year. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyways, we are here to discuss a film from 2019, the pre-COVID years. Um, the the film directed by Lee Sang-Gyun, um, Exit. All right, that was 1 BC. Oh, 
동아리를 하려면 제대로 된거 영양사 있는 걸 했어야지. 어? 사납구가 뭐야 사납구가. 너 신만이 할 거야? 그 아들이라고 하나 소개하려고 그러는데. Yeah, this film came out in 2019. It's a film from Korea. It's a story of a small area in Korea in which a, a terrorist, a crazy man, just decides to release toxic gas. At the same time, our characters, um, our heroes, by the name of Yongnam and Eju, um, are in a facility in like a... In like a event planning place, like they're having like parties and stuff. I don't know what better because of the type of movie we're talking about. When you say that they're in a facility, I assume it's some sort of military grade <laughs> testing facility. <laughs> um, and these two know each other from rock climbing class, and they think, "I know how I'm going to survive this disaster movie scenario. Mm-hmm. I'm going to rock climb myself to safety." Um, and the rest of the movie is them rock climbing for their life. And running. Throughout, and and running, running. Lots of running. All throughout the high rises of South Korea. <laughs> um, I brought this movie to the podcast. And I have words with this movie. <laughs> this movie is a film which begins like its first like chunk of it. Introducing us to um, Youngnam. Who is a young, young, unemployed single gentleman? Um, is his self description mm-hmm. as he pours drinks for older gentlemen, aka waste man. <laughs> <laughs> um, who is who is in love with rock climbing? We were introduced to him literally being on a playground, just yeah. doing the only thing you can describe as preparing to be in the Olympics. Like you watch him, and you're like, this man must be trying to be like an Olympic gymnast. The and you know, they call him again. Was it something like Iron? IBM. Barman? They IBM. called him IBM, which I thought was <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. Iron Barman. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the best part of that, and probably the whole movie, is having the grandmas look. One of them look up and give him the weakest thumbs up i've ever seen in my life <laughs> i thought that was the start of a beautiful movie <laughs> um so this gentleman is just a rock climbing enthusiast with not much going on in his life his family is pressuring him into finding a job into Wonder doing why. all sorts of all sorts of things you'd expect young men to do Weird. as opposed to just being as damian describes it a waste man yeah. Um, this then leads up to his um, parents' um, 70th birthday. Yes. It's their birthday. It's, it's birthday. not an anniversary. It's not an anniversary. His mother's 70th birthday. I mean, you can um, have a 70-year anniversary. <laughs> this was not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess if you're married at 18, like, you know, that's only... Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't know math anymore. Oh, right. I don't, I, I don't know oh how old God. he is. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to hear what the number he Because I knew it was going to be wrong. <laughs> so confident. That 100 and, 107. That's how right? the numbers were. <laughs> yeah. um, 11 to 32. Right. <laughs> so yes, his mother's 70th birthday. And he decides... Or at least I don't... I, I think the movie makes it clear that he's the one who chose this location. Um, he decides on this event location. Event. What is the name for this event place? Event hosting it's a place. Hotel. Let's just call it a hotel. Yeah. Yeah. It looks All like right. a hotel. Yeah. All right, a hotel um, to host this event. Um, and upon reach, upon getting there, he meets this young woman by Ajun um, that um, apparently he met before 
at the rock climbing place that he learned five years previously and was enamored with and wanted to use this as his springboard to try and get back with her. Um, and then, you know, toxic gas gets released and climbing and running. That's, I've, I've done a lot of running with this movie. Um, that first 30 minutes of this movie plays out like a silly, stupid, like sad boy comedy of like this sad sack of a young man and we're just going to make fun of all of the ways his life isn't the way you expect young men's lives to be that being not single not unemployed not just rock climbing until his heart's content um all of his family members are just making fun of him his mother is doing the duty and then you see the ridiculousness of his family it's played off in the weirdest like sitcom-y way of like korean movies that we don't usually see on this podcast because this is not the genre of korean movie we tend to focus on on this podcast um and then immediately once the toxic gas scenario happens this becomes into a disaster movie and there are probably two or three sequences i would like look at to say that this movie has a really strong attempt at being like an intense disaster action movie, right? Where it's not it, like, I don't know if you've ever seen movies like this, movies like Tower and Inferno, where they call them action movies, but they're not really action movies. Like they're, they're scenes of people doing actions, but it's not like action, like gun shooting movies, if you know what I mean. Um, and But those scenes are still intense and they're still um, developed in really interesting, really good ways and i think this movie does that well that sort of scene creation the rest of the movie still kind of teeters in this silly rom-commy almost cartoonish sense to the point where like the end credits actually fills in what some people might consider a plot hole um or a a glaring omission of editing of how they survived a certain point in the movie, mm-hmm. but it's played in such a cartoony fashion yeah. that, like, it's it's almost like you're reading some comic book and they're they're like making fun of the fact that this movie was in, at any point trying to be sincere, serious, or like um, gripping. Oh, and wait, I mean did, that did in I the miss, uh, post-credit scene. I mean, it's, it not, was, it's not really post-credits. They fall at the end because that's how all uh, movies where you climb stuff goes you have to fall at some point and then in the in the credits there's like when like at the very top of the credits you see where they fall and they hit a tarp and then are propelled back inside the building oh wow okay yeah so that explains like how magically you're you go from like oh they're dead to like oh they're not dead (laughs) (laughs) yeah they didn't put that in the movie though no yeah which... Yeah, I, I, clearly I didn't get that far. As yeah, soon as the, this thing said, <laughs> credits are starting to roll, I said, no. Nope, even, like, be- <laughs> even before, you stop watching that movie well before the credits. <laughs> your movie, eyes were open, yeah, but your brain was odd, But you weren't watching that movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, this, I was going this to, movie is... I was going to use that thing Andrew said to scream about at him about how dumb this movie is. But now that he's brought it up so nonchalantly, I have to throw that out. <laughs> you know, self-defense. You yeah. like throw it out. You stab yourself yeah. before he can right. stab yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> it's the one way self-defense always works. Stab yourself. Um, but this movie is this movie. First of all, on the mind is perfect. Flair. 
I don't think this movie is a good movie. I think this movie that's has very, very good pieces you. to it. I think you're wrong. And I think also the style of movie isn't the style of movie we're used to. So it's very much like not in our not in our like wheelhouse. It was it was it's almost like the first time you watch a Nora Ephron movie and you're just like not into that sort of thing. Like there's so many stylistic things in this movie that paint me off of it. Um that it's it's strange. But at the same time, like every time, for example, like that first climbing sequence when he's climbing up the hotel and even when there are parts in that climbing sequence where he's like stretching and going like, oh, this is hard. Like there were parts, there, that whole sequence entirely, like I really, really fucking love that sequence. Like it is like, I don't know if it's just that the, the inherent nature of the way they put the scene together and the danger and the way that the almost a narrative of like making that climb, like I was um I I thought it was just a great scene and it made me endeared myself to this guy who it's almost like the best way that action movies can define characters where they're like instead of spending 30 minutes giving me backstory of how he never made that jump before they just show me him doing the cool thing right and you know how hard it is I almost I, I even had to like do a little googling because I'm like is, is this one of those movies where like they didn't get actors they got a guy who knew how to really fucking rock climb really hard and they they wrote a movie around rock climbing for him um because this is made by a director who is this their first film right this is their only film at this point um and I really love that sequence even to the point like most of the climbing sequences I think that one is my favorite. But most of the climbing sequences, even for the short moments, like for the mo- even the mo- there's a moment where the young lady, um, Eju, is on top of a building that the smoke is coming on onto. Um, Youngnam has gone down into like what looks like a um, subway system. I'm not 100% sure. Um, and she does this tiny climb sequence onto like a higher point. And the way the camera just captures the, that like action moment of her doing that, like I think it, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, no, make a joke about how she could have just used the ladder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, does this movie do comedy great? No, it doesn't. Right. There, there are a couple of comedy bits that I think are okay. Right. As Damian mentioned, the weak ass thumbs up. Right. Mainly around the family bits. Like I think those, and I don't know if it's just that I enjoy family members um deprecating each other deprecating that, that that doesn't seem like right english but i'll let it go we'll let, we'll, we'll let in this <laughs> so yeah it sounds like they're pooping on each other and <laughs> um i mean they are doing that <laughs> <laughs> like that's a good way to say it they're pooping on each other um but i mean overall like i look at this movie and i'm like well that looks like an middling version of what could have been a good pretty good movie um and weirdly enough it intrigues me into like i want to find out what's the really good version of this movie in korea outside of our revenge movies um but yeah (laughs) but yeah that's where i leave it for now korea Um, is for revenge okay (laughs) douglas Um, i'm I'm gonna yeah i'm gonna talk here jamaica makes sugar korea makes revenge i don't understand why (laughs) You want Jamaican um, revenge? No. Just like I don't want Korean sugar. 
<laughs> uh, maybe you can have Jamaican shutters. Yes? No? Okay. <laughs> um, but I'm not going to talk long about this movie. Um, I will put my bias cards on the table. I didn't mm-hmm. like it. It's not a good movie. Um, uh, so the this movie is effectively uh, a two-hour-long version of The Floor is Lava, right? Um, and... <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty the, good. The the weird thing about it is I think that could have worked as because of how ridiculous the premise is, if you continue to be ridiculous, if you say, you know what? Sure, I will make the action bits actiony. I will make the people say the words with um with emotion, but if I know that these this premise is ridiculous and I build on that ridiculousity then I could make myself a fantastic movie. But they didn't do that, right? And Andrew, you, you, you um, hit the nail on the head with a couple of your remarks in the sense that it kind of felt like this movie was... So, so this movie from times kind of lent or, or, or went between the, the spectrum of ridiculous funny movie to... Equally ridiculous, but more like a, a, a 90s action movie that wanted to take itself seriously, right? And because it didn't quite commit to either of those, um, and the truth is, at the end of the day, when, like, you know, put everything together and average it out, I would say this probably leans more towards a 90s action movie that didn't realize how stupid it is. Um, that is why, for that reason, that's that's why it, it just didn't resonate with me. Because I can appreciate a good action movie that knows that it's, it don't make any sense and um, plays with that. Or even just acknowledges it and says, I know, but boy, these action sequences are great. And, and that's the other thing. These action sequences, I mean, some of it might be interesting. Andrew seems to like it a little more than he probably should. Um, but they're climbing, right? And climbing, there's there's only so many ways that you can make climbing fun, right? I'm sure they've they've tried to make parkour movies. There's a reason why it didn't become the next Marvel um, MCU, right? Because climbing and parkour, after about five minutes of saying, "Oh, that's fun," you start to think to yourself, "Is there anything else that I should be doing?" Because it shouldn't be this. Um, and yeah, this movie is, it just, it doesn't kind of quite sit down in the um, realm that I, I feel like it needs to. It doesn't say, you know what, this is where, this is what I am. Love me or, or hate me. It kind of just flip flops between the two potential um, ends of a spectrum, which is unfortunate. Um, and I think also a part of why I feel that way is, and I, I, I don't know if I'm right or I'm wrong on this, if I'm just being completely um, uh, somewhat watching this through the eyes of somebody from the West who doesn't know or care too much about the culture of, of, of over there. But I feel like on that side of the world, there is um, uh, like the ability or, or, or they're more comfortable 
being silly and being silly um, at every point. Like, you could have what is supposed to be a super serious movie, but there are just some silly moments for no reason, right? Um, and, and characters acting silly and, you know, crazy faces, crazy, um, crazy dramatic uh, deliveries of, of, of things that don't need to be there. Um, you know, you look at even anime and how you could have a rock solid, like super serious, um, fighty, swordy, whatever kind of anime, which, <laughs> yeah, which, um, you know, all of a sudden, no. for no reason, becomes this cartoonish, like mm -hmm. crazy thing where you have big bulging eyes and emoticons because he got hit and it hurt and ooh, it's a boo-boo, right? And it feels like it, it, it permeates all spectrum of, of, of art, which could also be a part of this movie as well, where they do silly things like um, the SOS signal, where they make it into a fucking song, right? Or pointing an arrow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? And, and um, like, I, I take that point, Douglas, but I also think, like, that's a genre-specific for, mm -hmm. like, th those movies. Where, like, yeah. and I mean, we've seen it, like, as we continue to talk about our revenge films, like, that's not in those. Yeah. Right, those That's serious cool. Korean dramas have none of those silly. I think it's just their brand of silly is just a little is different to us exactly. and stands out for exactly. us. And that's why I, I'm saying it might be um, some of some of why I don't buy into this fully might just simply be because of that, right? Because they're like, "But this is how we do things. What's wrong with you? Get on board or fuck off." And Clearly, I'm the man that needs to fuck right off. Yeah, it's like <laughs> if someone over there saw vaudeville for the first time, and yeah. or Buster Keaton, and they're like, "That's not how we do comedy." Even though, like, I'd assume I'd like to believe that Buster Keaton kind of translates all over, but you know, that's just me. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure Damien watches Buster Keaton and goes, "You're not funny." Damien just sits there going, "Like, I'm not stop stepping on that knife." <laughs> You're not going to distract me from <laughs> shitting all over your terrible movie, dog. <laughs> Damien exits. Buster and not be a hip hop king. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So, what were your thoughts on Exit, Damien? I think this movie sucks. <laughs> I think you guys have been <laughs> trying to say it as softly as possible and using the fact that we don't live in Korea, which, boy, what a standard to use. <laughs> oh, the ones we enjoy. It has nothing to do with the Koreanness. <laughs> but the ones we don't like, I think there's some mystery. Um, something lost in translation. As heavens knows, we haven't watched a lot of Korean. Oh, movies. that's a good movie there, Lost in Translation. Yeah, yeah sure it is. Um, this movie. <laughs> Here's the thing. At the start, you spoke about it. The weak thumbs up gave me an idea of what this movie was supposed to be. I thought that this movie was going to be jokes. Which, the movie is mostly them trying to make jokes. Regardless of what the situation is, there's always some humor sprinkled throughout whatever the scenario is. Um, because if if this were an American movie, at some point, um, during his struggles, he'd become essentially Rambo, and he, there'd be no more jokes for the rest of the movie. He'd just be doing all of these things. And then at the end, he would assault this woman without saying it. He'd be like, we survived. And I love you. 
and then he would force a kiss on and that then the movie would be and we'd all clap and go home but that's not what this movie is uh there's a point where in the middle of the movie they have two helicopters have gone without these two idiots and they have a drone following them um for no like this movie doesn't explain why things happen the things happen and we're moving on which i do appreciate so there's drones following these two and then they go and get his mother who had been brought to safety and had an iv drip and she was worried about her son and then they're like oh he's on the news and the news is showing him running from roofs and whatever and at some point the battery on the drone dies and they cut to his mother because of course that's it it's only set up there to watch the mother's reactions seeing videos come and go of her son because this movie has no tension part of the reason is that they established at the start of the movie that this boy has a lot of skills so then watching him climb buildings you're just like he's going to survive a because this is a movie and b because you already showed me that he can do all of these things the movie would have been better if he if he were just jogging every day they're just like oh he's at home all the time and so he does push-ups and he runs but this climbing thing he's not like take the climbing part out of it just go he's in pretty good shape just establish he's in shape and then watching him climb you'd be like oh he's never climbed before he's trying to think his way up the side of these buildings instead of using all his inherent rock climbing skills to rock climb himself up the building but they didn't do that and that is fine what is not fine is the story the acting <laughs> the jokes none of that is good <laughs> none of it's good and andrew is like oh there's this thing that happened at the end that they tell you in the credits hey guys imagine watching a movie <laughs> where a critical part of the movie happens once the movie is over and the credits is happening. It's like, wait a second. I mean, isn't that what Marvel's been doing for 20 yeah. years? and guess who enjoys that? Not me. Damon. Also, Damon loves it. Also, none of the parts that they put in post-credits is critical to Marvel's credit. It might be critical to nerds who think they know what they're doing. But in terms of the actual story being told, no. That's why they stick all of that nonsense at the end. This movie is just... Like, the two leads have no chemistry at all. Tell Douglas, am I wrong? I'm not asking Andrew. At all. Like, none. Damian, <laughs> no. They're, they're pretty I, people. I, that's about it. Listen, I failed science class. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I... After, I mean, integrated science was too much for me. Listen, the, the only part of this movie that I saw outside of the thumbs up that gave me anything, that was just like, all right, that's cute, is what, having her sons giving her a piggyback ride. That, the whole run time of the movie, every time that happens, a smile. Because it's such a weird thing to do. That is a cultural thing. But the second I saw it, I'm like, I know I couldn't do that here because people would stab me. But that is fun. It's a fun <laughs> thing to do. I appreciate that. The rest of this movie. Not, like, the action scenes that you're talking about, they're running from smoke. Listen, I'm not 
here to tell people how to make movies and how to build tension, but so they're Damon, running from smoke. Damon, <laughs> I cannot no, be no, afraid. Damon, 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 I get you. I get you in like the fear, but like what I'm talking about, especially like that first climbing sequence. Like it's not so much about um he's climbing from smoke. Mm-hmm. Like it almost becomes like sport theater at that point, where it's like me just watching someone do a action really fucking well. Right, but he's not outsmarting the bit. Like if. If I knew that this is a first, like he's just like freestyling his way up, like he has no, he's just like, listen, I should be able to do this, and it's a struggle for me to get from. Like, if that was the case, I'd be like, all right, cool, he's going to have a hell of a time scaling the side of this building. But it's the, it's the um, Assassin's Creed thing using video games versus the Zelda Breath of the Wild thing. You have to plan your way up any surface in Zelda because you have a grip meter. There's all sorts of things you have to take in consideration. In Assassin's Creed, you press up, and that is the end of it. And that's what this movie felt like. It felt like so felt like, felt like no yeah. grip meter. Yeah, it felt like he could do that for the for 14 hours if they needed him to do it. <laughs> I wasn't afraid for him. I'm like, yeah, he's going to make it. Alright, I'll take that. I'll take that. I, but, I mean, I'm not so, I'm not denying you. So I have a feeling we could probably make a better movie out of this, right? Of course. For example, for example, I think one simple addition would make this movie perfect. If the you rock. had an oh, intro. <laughs> first of, yes, the rock would make this good. But, but first of all, if you had an Who intro, believes like, the before, rock doesn't die? Before the, <laughs> before the movie starts. But you have to you have to pan back to the mm-hmm. NBA playoff. Some some fellow saying, yeah. you know, you don't want none of the smoke. And then have the smoke and, attack. And then, all right, I changed yeah, my mind. And then somebody's like, Yes, all I right. do what he's like, oh really? <laughs> all, all right, right cool. cool. <laughs> then the truck explodes and everyone yeah. have to make moves. All right, I changed my mind. That's a better movie. <laughs> Douglas, you should make moves. <laughs> no, please, please no. I do not approve. I mean this for decision. me, I, listen. Whether they're good or not, I would enjoy. <laughs> Everyone would be screaming at me, this is the worst movie ever. And I'd be in tears on my side. Can't even look at the screen properly. I'd be you laughing about so hard. Three other people. Exactly. In the world, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, listen. You'd be like the stupid Lars von Trier, essentially. Yeah. Uh, Andrew. You know this movie is bad. I know this movie is bad. The Rock made a movie where he had to climb a side of a building with one leg, and that movie was bad. Yeah. It's just bad movie. He couldn't make this. If he couldn't make <laughs> yeah. climbing good, then I don't know. I yeah. mean, yeah, it's literally rock climbing. How can that yeah. not be good? But hey, yeah, is all climbing the Rock does rock climbing? I think uh, so. <laughs> See, Andrew, that's the best joke I've told in this movie. <laughs> so, what Damon is basically saying is don't watch this movie, watch Free Solo instead, and then question what would they have done if he fell. Or, if you want to watch a movie that has rock climbing and is good, there's Mission Impossible 2. Don't say it. Don't- <laughs> <laughs> is that movie I was waiting good? for one of us to make a Tom Cruise joke probably not right? <laughs> but who cares <laughs> and you remember like uh, like at least a decade after that movie people were still making like relatively rock, tri- rock climbing Tom Cruise related gags yeah. in their movies yeah because it's um, so stupid yep. he's such I think a he does weird like, man he does like that flip around and he's like yeah. holding it like Jesus yep 
Um, there's also Ra- Ryu climbs a cliffside in the Street Fighter animated movie. You can go watch. Oh, it. okay, okay. <laughs> so for some reason, I thought you were just going the racist route and now started to call our lead actor Ryu. Oh, um, <laughs> I'm saving all my racism for the next movie. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. On... So you are actually talking about Ryu? Yes, Very good. the actual. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, Ryu uh, isn't cool. real, but sure. <laughs> He's real in my heart. Yeah. <laughs> he dragon punches waterfalls because <laughs> games are reasons. <laughs> um, so stupid. So exit. Definitely not Tom approved. And moving right along. Um, we're here to discuss the next film in our Luis Bunuel marathon. Um, his film from 1950 out of Mexico City, Los Olvidados. Los Olvidados, una realidad que excede a la fantasía. Una película que va más allá de cuanto usted se ha imaginado. The story centers around a set of children in the slums of Mexico City, which is stricken with poverty. And <laughs> I'm reading it like it's from a Wikipedia page. Um, <laughs> like stricken with poverty. Stricken with poverty. <laughs> Feels like someone took a stick, a poverty stick, <laughs> and hit. <laughs> and hit them. Well, I mean, someone does take a stick in this yeah, movie, right. so you know there are few people with sticks. So <laughs> maybe they're the ones who did. My it. life was going fine, and I was hit with the poverty stick. <laughs> Um, stricken with poverty. Like, what? So, so the film uh, follows all of these children around in this in this group of the bad. I don't know if they even have a, a gang name. Like they're just bad children. Um, one of the focal points. One of the focal points of this movie is a young child by the name of Pedro, who goes from being a misunderstood child to quite possibly one of the worst children by the end of the movie. Um, uh, being, no, I don't think he's the worst. He's, being he's, pushed he's by, being pushed by um, the older of the group, Heibel, um, who, <laughs> who um, is just released from, I guess, kitty jail. They didn't quite clear, make clear as to like where he escaped from, yeah. but he escaped from yeah. incarceration of some sort. Escaped, um, not released, but yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So Los Olvidados. Damien, you have words for this movie, so I'll let you start. All right. So, uh, uh, let me get the two things uh, uh, out of the way first. Uh, my captions translated Pedro into Peter. I was about to say the same thing. I was very upset. <laughs> I was, and the weird thing is, it wasn't until Andrew said the name Pedro mm-hmm. that it actually registered in my mind. I was yeah. like, hold on. My um my subtitles had it Peter, yeah. which is not cool. That's like, not okay. Seriously, seriously. <laughs> I understand that this movie was from a different time, but hey guys, <laughs> hey guys, I'm going to need you. Name to... is Pedro. So yeah, I'm going to need you to drop the races. <laughs> my subtitles said Pedro. A couple ah, notches. And that's good go. for you. It's like, um, and and they do it for everything in you know, a country names, people names. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. we need to stop it. Yeah. Uh, we need to stop calling places like Naples, Naples, please. Yeah. 
I mean, is not the name of the can, can we keep Germany though? Because boy, Deutschland sounds. <laughs> I don't, I don't like how that like, sounds. Like that's the thing. I can understand. I can understand. So, like for example, Mexico. Mm-hmm. I can understand people being like, "Yo, I just read it and I'm stupid." Yeah. And I never hear them say, "Fine." Right. But then when you do things like Naples and yeah. and um Germany yeah. and other places, you're just like, "No, that's not even." Close, close. <laughs> you, guys are, you guys aren't even trying. <laughs> just like, no, we don't want to call it what we, what the name is, so we're just going to make up new shit. Yeah, like Peter. <laughs> Peter. Speaking of terrible movies and jokes, this movie is a terrible, yeah. terrible movie. Uh, te- if it's a joke, it's a bad joke that Andrew is playing on us. I don't know for what reason. <laughs> um. This movie suffers from a severe, severe amount of old movie itis. <laughs> I disagree. This movie. I disagree 100%. Very bad. It's movie just, El Bado. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just saying right here, right now, yes. I'm already fascinated to see how this goes between the two of you. I almost want to step away and be like, I'm not even going to talk about this movie at this point. Like, I just want so, to hear what's happening no, no, here. No, no, no. I agree with David yeah. that this movie is bad. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's because of old movies. Oh, no, 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 no. I think it's just because it's a no, bad no. movie. Yeah, you get it. You, <laughs> you, you, you got me all wrong, son. <laughs> this movie suffers from both. It is both bad. <laughs> it is stricken. Not with poverty, but with bad nosity. <laughs> and old nosity. Every part of this movie makes me upset. <laughs> I don't enjoy mercifully it's an hour and a half. But not even. I was so happy. It's like a, it's less than an hour twenty. The movie the movie starts out with these children. First it starts out with some disclaimer that I've already forgotten. That has no bearing on the movie. And then it starts out with these kids and they're like, all right, these kids uh they're they're in a bad situation. Let's see how let's see the lives of these children let's see what happens and they're hooligans you know they go around they rob a couple people and they do like things that children do and you're like all right fine all right movie what is this movie about and then the movie the thing that is supposed to push this movie forward is that the head the head of the gang uh robs one of the guys and beats him up and it looked like he deliberately killed him, but let's say it's accidental. Let's say that wasn't what he was trying to do. By the end of the movie, he turns into the devil. So you assume that art is just, um, he was always going to be a murderer, but oh, fine. Uh, he kills him. The other protagonist in the movie sees him, um, Pedro slash Peter <laughs> sees him and vows not to snitch. Which Peter. It's good to know that snitch is a word that came from the 50s and before that's good for that's good to know if yep. you had asked me if snitching meant snitching before hip-hop i'd have told you no <laughs> i've just assumed that that is unfortunately a... they hadn't invented sewing by that point so right. they weren't able to say that <laughs> the stitches, stitches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um it's good to know snitches get stitches is universal it's, f- it's fun but then the movie is like, all right, what happens after this? 
and it just goes. But where does it go? I, who knows or cares? <laughs> By the end of the movie. Oh my God. But the end of the movie, a blind man says they should have killed them before they were born. And that was my exact sentiment about this movie. <laughs> that is the only thing in this movie that I agreed. At some point, uh, the Peter's mother starts sleeping with the head of the gang who, if we're pretending that he's a junior, that if he's either horrifically miscast or they're growing people in Mexico a different way that they grow them. That man is 30 years old. The head of that gang is a 30-year-old man. He's not a child by any stretch of the imagination, but we're supposed to pretend that he is. And then at some point, Peter is sent to a juvenile place where the principal does a thing that, like, all of this movie confuses me. And it confuses me both because it is old and because it is bad. <laughs> and I don't know which one is leading into the other. And I don't care anymore. <laughs> because this movie... This movie tells should tell a simple story. And tells it the worst possible. I cannot come up with a way for these series of events to have been told in a manner to be more confounding. It is just a string of scenes that make me want to punch everybody. Uh, no. Listen, I wasn't born in Mexico. I also wasn't born in... Since we're using that to justify terrible movies on this podcast, <laughs> I am neither 70 years old nor Mexican. Maybe that's why I don't get this movie. Or just maybe... Everything it's you're about not blind, Damien. It's because you're not blind. Uh, there's right. There's only one part of this movie that I advocate for. A blind man is trying to make advances at a young girl, and she's told by another young boy to stab him to death. And that's the only part of this movie that I can say with a hundred percent that I that I agree with. There's a scene in which a, an older gentleman tries to pick up a young boy mm -hmm. on the streets. Mm -hmm. And the only reason it doesn't happen is some policeman shows up yeah. and gives him like the waggle mm -hmm. with like this, <laughs> with the billy club or whatever you want to call it. They're, they've been stricken with poverty. You can't do that to them. <laughs> They're not real children. <laughs> we hit them with the poverty stick. <laughs> they've been yeah. branded for life. This movie sucks. Hey, yeah. hey, let me, let's focus. I'm having a good time on this podcast, but let me be, let me put on my stern voice. Do not watch this. This movie is garbage. <laughs> it is old and it is bad. And it is Did you know bad because it's old and it's old because it's bad. I don't care either way. <laughs> while while a lot of while every movie in this marathon I've selected because they have been noted in Boonwell's career. Do you know that this movie was quite possibly like the one that catapulted his career because he won Best Director at Cannes for it? Listen, we had um, this conversation with Casablanca many years ago where we looked at each other and was just like, I don't know why this movie is good. I don't know why people sorry, like what? No, 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 no. Whoa, whoa. Are not what are we saying bad Casablanca. things about Casablanca? You're probably thinking, please tell me you're talking about Rosebud. Uh, like, because it's not... <laughs> Casablanca is a fucking great movie. Sorry, to, yeah. 
let you know. All right, Rosebud, not right. Tassa. Right. Okay. Which one is? What's the Citizen name of Kane? Is what you're looking Kane. for. Right. All right, cool. Right. Sorry. Sorry. I apologize. Woo. That's how bad that All movie right. is. I forgot the name. <laughs> <laughs> you, you just, you In just, my head, you just stamped it on other movies. In my head. Like, I was just like, what's the movie that we talked about? And Citizen Kane didn't even approach my mind. <laughs> right. Casablanca is a good one. Proving that you could make good movies back then. They just didn't. This one is not a good They movie. did. They did. Yeah. Just a lot of them aren't as good as people think they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but like this movie, I do not love this movie. But I think of it as a weird, weird in like the semblance of Bunuel movies we've watched. Where all of Bunuel's movies we've seen have been like this weird, quirky, like, and I don't know if it's because the movies we've seen so far are his later career films, like The Charm of the Bourgeoisie, um, where it's all dreamlike, like Belle de Jour, where it's all dreamlike, <laughs> um, like Viridiana, where like it kind of goes so far in its own ridiculousness um, and has like such a strange perspective. As depraved as it is, but there is dreams in, what in it that is. one too. That one is dreamlike too, because a lot of the stuff that happened to her early was yeah. a dream. Yeah. So yeah, this movie, on the other hand, feels to me almost like a lot of just general like movies from the time, like not even Mexico, like all over of the time that I I would have seen, where it is a gritty story about these people and there's this concept of like good and bad and like you just watch someone's someone's character just go basically what the video game equivalent of going from the good good character profile to the bad character right. profile throughout the entire <laughs> the story <Yeah. laughs> right you keep you keep doing bad things in infamous mm-hmm. and suddenly you get the bad powers right um i mean the only problem with it is that unlike a lot of those movies that i do like like there is no character in this movie that like i attach to right it's like like even you don't even though it has scenes that feel like those movies to me like even the scene of um where haibo comes in and steals a knife and you Mm -hmm. see um the consequences of those scenes or like or the scenes with the mother um, like all, even though they play like scenes in those movies, I like there isn't really a point in this movie where like I found myself interested in like the mechanics of what's going on. And part of one of the things I thought of as I was like trying to like con- figure out like why is it this movie doesn't really work for me outside of the old movie itis because it's very much a old movie concept in like its portrayal in like how the scenes play. Um, is I feel like throughout this movie. With the exception of maybe the, the, the headmaster, there is literally not one person in this movie that's, that's portrayed as good, right? Even Pedro, who has that character sheet move across, like, in theory, at the beginning of the movie, he's supposed to be good, but I don't know if he's really good at the beginning, right? He's like, he's more like, we caught him in the middle on the way down, right? And he's just not as bad as Haibo at the beginning of the movie, um so like there is really not much progression like the movie as much as like reading about it like i understand like it's people talk about it because it it portrays a world that is just depraved because depravity um supposedly especially i see this a lot in in movies in art in people talking about poverty they're like poverty brings about this thing which i call bullshit on um (laughs) But like that's kind of what they love to portray, um, and 
and it's it's almost like they, they don't even give you that like narrative arc of like that progress that progression it's just like all shit right even even the blind man who sure he is he's a soft he has a lot of he has his, his disability of being blind he's like singing in the park um in the square i mean and like you he is pitied um he is picked upon he is robbed he's beaten like you you watch this movie and you you want to feel sad for him but even like as this movie goes through like take like just looking at it on the like with those elements as it goes through it gives you no reason to feel sad for him as you watch him as damian mentions try to molest a young girl um talk about murdering children before they're born and pretty much like capturing another child for his benefit as much as he doesn't his benefit isn't sexual um like he's basically kidnapped you can't tell me that when he's rubbing the bird on top of the girl that that's not sexual i'm sorry sir no wait i'm talking <laughs> about talking the one about that he's eyes. holding yeah he's talking right? about no, 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 i know i know but i'm just saying that there's more there's more to it than that <laughs> right? so this movie is like as much as people like to use this term and we love to people love to pony use it like with black and white movies as much as movies like this love to live in an area of gray this movie is just black this movie is just shit Yep. Right. And not shitting like, oh, this movie's bad, which it is it's bad. not good. Um, like it's just like bad things and shit people and like nothing. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like I wish there was like a part of this movie that like made sense to me outside of everything is bad. <laughs> yeah. So I have to agree with Oh no. Yeah. Wait, oh, what? Um oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Press the wrong button. Okay. So I have to agree with Andrew um, and Damien. I don't like this movie. Uh, what, I w- what I would say is I think I understand why I don't like this movie. And I would... I, I don't want to go out on a limb because I'm not going out on a limb for this fella and all of his bad movies. But this is the first time I have watched any of, of his movies and thought to myself, there is something here that could maybe develop... De- be developed into a movie that I could at least appreciate is a movie, right? Um, now, the thing about it is what what I didn't like about it or why I didn't connect with it, um, and we can talk about the fact that it's a sad movie about sad people and the things that are actually happening in it, but what Buñuel clearly tries to do is he tries to be more of like an observer, right? And he doesn't, it's almost like he's actively saying to you, I don't, this isn't a story. I'm not telling you a full on narrative from start. And I am just giving you something and you have to decide what you want to do with it. And he intros it that way as well, where he says, listen, I, as a filmmaker, and this is in what Damien describes as, discla- as his disclaimer, I, as a filmmaker, I'm showing you that there is a problem, a problem with poverty and, um, and I'm going to show you the, the problem and you must come up with the answer or something similar, I'm paraphrasing. And so it's, this, this movie is almost pitched as if it's a documentary, as if he is going into the um, areas in Mexico where that have been stricken with the poverty stick and, um, and saying, this is what is happening, please help, right? He's, he's asking for 10 cents a day 
um, for you to to, mm-hmm. to feed a child, adopt exactly <laughs> one, of, one of these mm-hmm. children. Um, and I think that's where it goes wrong for me because, as you say, if, if you don't have a particular narrative, if you don't have an entry point, then it's hard to kind of sit down and be engaged by this film, even though it is a it is a very short film, which I am very thankful for. <laughs> um, but what I would say is you could thread this together. I mean, even for example, and you guys are giving Pedro a hard time, and I don't know why. Because for me, Pedro is, a, and you could, you could probably um, center this movie around Pedro. Pedro is the most, I would say, real person in this movie, real-feeling real character that also is not intended to be actively, let's use the word evil, right? Or bad. Um, the chickens would just, disagree. <laughs> he's just a child reacting to, to his situation, right? So, um, you know, you, you talk about how he gets really bad by the end, but he, he doesn't. He's a child reacting to to emotions, right? And even at the end, there is a, a fight scene, there is a murder, um, and he is just simply, he's actually trying to do something good at the end, right? He's like, listen, this principal gave me all this money and you stole it from me. I would like to give it back to him, please. But they don't equip him with the tools um, to, to do that in, a, in what we would consider, I suppose, a civilized way. Um, and that's all that is. If you were to actually center this movie around him, right, and um, walk you through his experience, even to get you from where he starts in this movie to where he ends in this movie. I'm not going to tell you it would be a good movie, but it would be something that, at least for our sensibilities, would be engaging and we could have a, a serious conversation about it. Um, and so for that reason, I could be... Um, I could be argued into giving this movie as much of a pass as possible within the context of the rest of these shitty movies, right? Don't get me wrong, I do not like this movie and I did not enjoy watching it, but it has the most potential for something that I could see as, you know, being uh, what I would call a watchable movie. Um, so so there is that. Um, I... Yeah, I mean, we we could talk about some of the things that happen. Um, the real problem with this movie for me is that it all feels like a string of events rather than a, a narrative that that um, is is joined in any way, um, you know. And it's a string of 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 bad events. And Andrew Andrew spoke about you know the fact that there is a lot of portrayal of oh, if you are poor, if you are in this certain situation, then we're going to we're going to paint you in this light of violence and crime and 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 all of the negative things that we as as society have decided are not good. Um, and so there's there's a lot of that as well. But yeah, this movie kind of sucks. But there are potentially some redeeming factors. Just didn't actually redeem itself. Team Pedro. <laughs> Not Team Peter. <laughs> team Spanish Peter. <laughs> or I suppose I should say Mexican Peter. <laughs> Filipino Peter. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, Philip is a completely different. Ah, name. ah. She's a different Peter. All right, cool. <laughs> Did Hybo have a different name? No, no. Hybo was Hybo. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, well, with that, I think we'll move away from Boonwell. Um, no, don't we have one, one more, more? And then we're out oh, of Boonwell. Okay. We have one more. All right. What? We have um, one more? One yes. more. God damn um, it. I thought we were finished. <laughs> nope. One more, and then we get to go to the Wusha. <laughs> Wusha. I got you all in check. Um, well done. So, moving along mm-hmm. into what we've been watching recently. All right. Um, who wants to go first? I suppose I could go first. I don't okay. really have a lot to talk about. Um, but I do have, I would say, a couple of interesting ones. So let's start with the stuff that I don't really care about. Um, I watched. Winning? Yes. Yeah. No one cares about. Lots of sports. Yeah. No one cares about. Football's <laughs> coming home. <laughs> to where? <laughs> but you know, I've recently spoken about how I've gotten suckered into paying more money for a shitty streaming service called Paramount Plus. On that streaming service is a television show that goes by the name of The Stand. I watched this show and I actually don't mind it. It's not great television. It's it's kind of in the world of Lost and um, you know all of these like sci-fi sort of whatever. It feels that way. But what what it is is it's a post-apocalyptic show. It's actually based on a Stephen King book. Um, and it is so it was written like forty years ago. So it's not about the pandemic, but it's, you know, a movie about a virus that kills everybody, a virus that is kind of like the cold. And so you kind of think to yourself, oh, this is a little bit on the nose. Um, but it's, it's kind of fun. Um, it, it has Whoopi Goldberg in it. It has um, Cyclops, James Marsden in it. It also has um, Bad Vampire uh, Skarsgård in it. Um, oh. Yeah. And he is awesome. He does exactly what he's, he, he's trained to do, what, what he's been grown to do. He is that super villain that is, you know, super evil. Um, and he's very fun. Um, and this movie, this movie, this TV show is a miniseries. Um, it has nine episodes and it's probably done. Um, it is like, so it's based in the real world where... We're post-apocalyptic because almost everybody's died from this this virus. But for some reason, there are two people with magic in them. Those two people are Whoopi Goldberg and Skarsgård. And Whoopi Goldberg is good and Skarsgård is bad. And they form their own little like clans or towns of good people and bad people. Um, and it's really the story about like them getting together, and then there is there's no war, but you know, good has to try and defeat evil. Obviously, I mean, come on, that's how stories work. And it is whatever. I know I'm doing a poor job of selling it, but the truth is, it's not like great enough for me to care. But I did enjoy it. It was fun. It was fun to watch Skarsgård just eat some scenery. That's always great. Um, flying around the place, it's 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 cool. Uh, so not a bad show. I will continue to see if there is any more reason for me to pay for this this shitty uh, site. Um, I also watched a movie by the name of The Man in the Hat. 
And no, it is not a Dr. Seuss ripoff. It is a movie that stars, I've forgotten his name, Sierra Hines, is that his name? Um, he's. Yeah, that's his name, Sirian Hines. Yeah. He, I, I always remember him as Caesar from the HBO show Rome. Yeah, he's in a bunch of things like that, right? Um, so he's, he's always, he tends to be good in things he's in. This movie is a bit of a conundrum, though. I watched the trailer, and then I watched the movie, and thought to myself, what trailer, or what movie did this trailer come from? Because it is not this movie. <laughs> <laughs> in this movie, barely anyone talks. Okay, and then. yeah is it a um, revenge no it is not revenge no, 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 so here's here's what this movie is nope. right so syrian Hines is sitting down one night having um dinner having coffee whatever it is and he sees a bunch of nefarious looking fellows step out of a car with what seems to be a body wrapped up in some tarp and they throw that body into the river or ocean, whatever body of water that is beside him. He sees them, and they see him, and he decides it's probably not good to stick around. And so he runs off. Um, it looks like they chase him, chase him, and they lose him because you know cars get in the way or whatever. And the rest of the movie is him kind of driving through Europe, trying to stay away from them. And you see them kind of following him and, and, and stuff. This movie is a lot more lighthearted than it sounds. It is not in any way serious. It is not in any way um, thrilling. And there, it feels... Because, as I said, at no point does he ever really speak to say anything more than maybe thank you or hello. Um, and it's very... There are a lot of whimsical things in this like there's this this lady that tends to show up that even though he's never actually met her he looks at her and says you're a pretty woman and i like you and she keeps showing up and and there's like seems to be some sort of weird chemistry there um and there is a, a kind of an end point that it comes to now i'm about to spoil this movie because it's so fucking weird so if you don't so if you folks want to watch this movie skip ahead about five minutes if you don't come along for the ride this movie is so bad that in the end of the movie the the big reveal is that the people that have been following him have just been doing this by accident they're actually a band and the thing they threw in the the water must have been some sort of fucking old instrument that wasn't working anymore right and in the end of the movie they um everybody's okay everybody winks and smiles at each other and the band plays at this big event that he happened to to be at which is ridiculous. But to be honest, along the way, you almost don't care because of the whimsy. It's kind of fun. It's not like a movie I'd, again, it's not something I'd recommend anybody watch, but I didn't mind my time with it. I would say that at times it plays like a poor man's paperback jellyfish. And also at times it plays like a poor man's Mr. Bean, where Syrian Hines is Mr. Bean. Um, what was that movie? with russell crowe in france i love that movie to death what's the it name of that movie a good again? year him good and year. Is, it, is, it, is it the kind of movie that you watch that you immediately go like i need to watch a good year again because just looking at the picture i'm like i should watch a good year again yeah so that's what i thought it would have been and it was not right um it just was kind of like 
him acting like a bumbling fool running around Europe, which in its own way is kind of good, right? It's kind of fun. And there's not a lot of talking. There's a lot of physical humor or physical um, entertainment, shall we call it, which works well. You know, there is... Um, oh, there was actually a, a weird scene where they have a, a race of, of chickens where I immediately said to myself, I should watch The Favourite again because it just yes. had that vibe, right? Um, and so I don't want to shit on this movie too much because despite its silliness, it's probably not the bad kind of silly. It's fine. But that's all it is. Fine. It's not great. It's not anything in, in that wheelhouse. So folks who didn't want to w listen to me and wanted to watch this movie, you can come back now. We're done. None of um, these people exist. <laughs> no, there are a couple of things that I either really liked or was really excited for. I will start with the thing that I was I really liked. I watched. Um, I'm starting to turn on the iPlayer a little bit more, and in doing so, I watched a television show called Time, which stars Sean Bean, and which, for some inexplicable reason, he did not die in. Nope. I don't know what the problem is. Like it's weird. Actually, I read an article lately about him, and it might have tied in with the show, I don't know, but where he spoke about how he actually, he actively decides about what roles he is in now by whether or not he dies. Because he says to himself, I've died too many times on television mm -hmm. and on screen, and my children are giving me a hard time over it. So I, I mean, to, it is hilarious. <laughs> fix that. It is. It I, is remember, yeah. I remember someone making fun of him because yeah. he did the voice for the... The all of the intro and stuff for like civilization, yeah. And okay. then he's like, I don't technically die in this. And then someone had to explain to him that like every character in like the intro video, technically, the whole period, this thing is that we're going era to era, so they all die. And yeah. he's like, Really? Oh, fuck. <laughs> I used to, and I thought that was hilarious at the time. That's funny, but it's it's a show starring him and Tommy Gunn from Lockstock, not Lockstock, um, from Snatch mm -hmm. and. Uh, the um, same movie at this point. The same movie, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and they are great. So what it is is Sean Bean has run over a fella. He's he's done a hit and run while drunk. Uh -huh. And he Those turns himself good. in and does his time, right? And the, the movie is about him in prison. And Tommy Gunn is the prison warden. Well, not the warden, but one of the like prison officers. And it really is... Uh, and I can't stress this enough. One of the grimmest oh. piece of art I have ever seen. There is no hope to be had. There is no happiness to be had in this television show. I am actually surprised that I watched it from start to finish. And what surprised me even more is the amount of love that I have for this this show from start to finish. You know what? This you show watch the Underground Railroad. <laughs> <laughs> so, Damien, yeah. of of us on the podcast, mm -hmm. I know I'm the most likely to watch that, and I still yeah. haven't mustered up the energy to like get into that show yet. It's not. <laughs> it's too much. Yeah. <laughs> I I won't recommend any. It is very good. 
but I cannot recommend anybody <laughs> We've had, it's been a tough couple of years. <laughs> Maybe next year, if things pick up, I'll be like, oh, it's good times. <laughs> God watch that. It'd still be good, but not for this year. <laughs> I'm intrigued into to watch the thing that Douglas, like the time, I'm probably going to get it and keep it for a future time. When I am not so sad, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but not yeah, now. It is, it is, it is super sad, and yeah. um, because they delve deep into like this man's crime, into well, not too much into the crime, but his mm-hmm. his um state, right? His, um, because of the crime and the fact that he's in prison and the the some of the horrible things that can happen in prison, um, and just everything about this, um, he how it affects the family of the victims, how um, the, the sort of things that people do or have done to get into prison or do in mm-hmm. prison. It's, it's not a mm-hmm. happy time. Yeah. And I am surprised at myself at how much I love the show. The show is top notch. Yeah. Um, and oh, Damien, I would definitely, I don't know about Andrew, I definitely would um, uh, recommend Douglas, you, watch you That is one of the best descriptions of a show to get me to watch. So, like, I don't even need a trailer for this. <laughs> I want to watch this, but not right now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's probably not the best time. Yeah, can, can. Um, <laughs> maybe when Olympics is time. finished. When Olympics yeah. is finished, and I can feel myself. Get back because now with all of the sports and stuff, I feel better watching sports. Mm-hmm. Maybe once Olympics and like they're opening up back the country, and my mother is fully vaccinated, and I can see hope. Maybe, <laughs> but <laughs> at present, I cannot. Yeah, man. Can't. No, definitely, Andrew. I'd love to know what you think of the show, but I doubt. I will see if um, I can watch it. Like, I definitely like, will watch a show with Sean Bean in it. Yeah, yeah. A- a- anybody who hears listens to this, go watch the show. It's good. Yeah. Um, the last thing I'll talk about. I don't have as much reverence for this movie, but sure. Um, I was extremely excited because I have had a decades-long relationship with Questlove and. That has only strengthened lately with his weekly, daily, whatever you want to call it, sets on YouTube where he just sits down and plays me music and tells me stories, and I love it. He directed, he made a movie called Summer of Soul, or When the Revolution Could Not Be te- Televised, which is I'm essentially... I'm sad I haven't found the time this weekend to watch this yet. Yeah, well, you will. I'm um, going I'm to watch this really exactly. quickly. <laughs> and... This movie is fine. It's it's a movie with music in it. Um, he spends a lot of time <laughs> with people talking about um, stuff, and he what he does too is he aligns the story of the concert with the story of um, you know black people in America and marginalization and civil rights and, and that kind of thing. So it does take on a very serious tone. Um, and I definitely wasn't there for that. Um, obviously, I was like, "Bring me my music." Um, but it's it's a it's a, a a decent movie. I would have probably just preferred to actually hear the soundtrack and watch the the performances. They have some strong performances in here, and also it 
taught me about or taught me. It showed me like some music that I knew, but only knew for face value and didn't realize who the artists were. So for example, there is a song, and we've all heard it before, Aquarius, um, mm -hmm. let, let the Sun Rise In, or Shining rather. Yeah. <laughs> um, they have the group that sang that song actually performed at this festival and they have that on screen. And I was blown away to realize that they were actually uh, a, a group of black people mm -hmm. <laughs> like, um, and not the whitest of the white. And they actually addressed that in the in the documentary because they got a couple of the members of the group to to come in modern times to talk. And they were mm -hmm. like, yeah, so a lot of people didn't know that we were black. Um, yeah. They just assumed we were white. And you then they saw us white. and were like, I mean, what? In fairness. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I inherently, I always love... Um, I don't know if this is a thing with me mm -hmm. um, and people, other people have it, but they don't express it as often. But I always love when there are songs and your immediate touchstone with that song mm -hmm. and being able to say, this is what I think of whenever I hear that song. And every time you talk that song, every time I think of that song, what I think of is the end credits of 40 year old virgin. Oh, wow. Okay. Right. Where they do a whole <laughs> thing, thing with that song, dancing yeah. in the gardens with Seth Rogen with his belly out and all sorts of <laughs> nonsense. Um, and that is what I see. I see Steve Carell lip syncing to that song. Right. <laughs> and that's what I see in my head. <laughs> so I, I don't do that because most of my, like most of my listening to music would be me sitting in a chair somewhere in this house with headphones on listening to, like there'd be nothing i don't really have stuff to you don't like, you don't ever just discover a songs via movies kind of thing right it's just that but that's not how like i listen to songs i'm one of those people that listen to songs on repeat and so i can songs i have a time like not a thing but i know all right when i hear this song it feels like this period of time yeah so i block yeah. there's a time in my life where i'm like all right i this song equates to that time mm -hmm. yeah there there are songs where for some reason and sometimes there's a significant event attached to it sometimes it's completely insignificant where mm -hmm. i'll hear the song and i'll remember being somewhere listening to the song right otherwise right so like so like for some reason as i said sometimes it's significant sometimes it's super insignificant there's a song by this rap group, Idea and Abilities, that when I hear it, I remember walking from the library at my college um, in Ithaca, mm -hmm. just walking down the road. And like, why? I don't know, but I, I remember exactly that. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely, I'm, and I'm sure we all have that, where we have things attached to music. Okay. Um, and also, it's, it's all, all about to, like, what you think the people look like. Because when I listen to music, and I know you do this the same way, Damien, there's some people where you just don't know what they look like. And so that, that was a surprise for yeah. me. I had another similar surprise where I saw what Cautious Clay looks like recently. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I did not expect you to be um, this, this, the, the same thing. He's, he's a young black man. Mm -hmm. I assumed it was actually, I thought it was a group and not one person. And I, I assumed it was a bunch of like skinny ass white boys. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it is not. Um, and that's fun. But I like Cautious Clay a lot. Um, I've been listening to, them for, to him for a little while. I still, I still think of of cautious clear as them. As them. Uh, this is yeah. just up on them pronouns. I, I know, right? Um, but the this movie has a bunch of fun um, 
performances. Nina Simone is obviously in there and is she's in the trailer. And I mean, she's Nina Simone, so she's probably one of the better performances that's there. Um, so much so that anytime I hear anything from her, I'm like, why don't I own more Nina Simone music? Uh, why don't I? And immediately, I have a feeling that this is the reason why I watched Before Sunset um, last night as well. Just that little link in the final scene where they played Nina Simone. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but her performance was great in, in, in this. And also, Gladys Knight and the Pips are in this. They're also in the trailer. Um, and just to watch the Pips perform, forget Gladys Knight. I mean, she's, she's a great singer and she performs well too. But if you watch the Pips in the background, the shenanigans that they get on with, it's, it's spectacular. There's and a reason why they're in the marquee and it's not just Gladys Exactly. And then we brought some people with us. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and that's just generally how they are. There are lots of stories about how great the pips are, right? So, um, so it's fun. Yeah, as it you were talking about Nina Simone, I realized that the, the thing I keep in my head, so I don't know what Andrew does, but the thing that I keep in my head is who told me about musicians. Mm-hmm. So that is the thing that I catalog. So like Andrew did it with Talib Kweli. We made fun, I made fun of him because he's like, hey, Damien, you should listen to Talib Kweli. And I went, that's not a name of a person. And <laughs> Which is a thing Damien says to people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, he can't be good. A, I've never heard of him. And B, that's not a real name. And I was wrong. But uh, jo- Joel's mother, one of, my, uh, one of my friends, Andrew knows him. Um, his mother introduced us to Nina Simone as children. Which, like Animal Farm, you shouldn't do. Because children aren't prepared (laughs) for that kind of quality. Um, And she heard us talking about music. And we were listening to some song that had a Nina Simone sample. Which, probably probably that's 90% 90 of all music in the 90s. (laughs) So, I don't remember what song because all of them. And she's like, I know that song. And we went, you can't. Because this is rap music. Like, you know, this is the oh. rap music. And then this she, is young people music. Yeah. And then she played us the Nina, the Nina Simone track. And I was like, oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. I thought they made all of this up by themselves. And that's how I got into Nina Simone. So, yeah. And, like, Douglas introduced me to a lot of artists. But Douglas is cheating. Because what Douglas does is buy every song on the planet. And then, by its very nature, Douglas can take credit for introducing everybody to every song. <laughs> so whenever there's music that I have no idea how I have this, in my head, I just blame Douglas. Like, oh, yeah, clear. This is a, Doug- this is a Douglas joint. I'm like, what is this? And I listen to it. I'm like, I don't like this. This has to be Douglas. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, this movie is... Generally, I feel like there's gonna be some piece that that of this movie that you get drawn to. Whether it is like me, the music, whether it is the um, social aspect of it, um, whether it is the historical significance aspect of it, um, there's there. I think there are a number of ways for you to connect with this movie. Um, I I wouldn't go out on a limb and give it as much praise as everybody else has been giving it. Like. Um, I think it definitely has it 
it pushes the sort of buttons that allows people to decide that it's important and love it for that reason. But I just think it's an it's an alright movie that presents music that I like, and I'm cool with that. I have um, a quick question. Sure. Is this movie more concert doc than doc, or is it more doc than concert? I would say it intends to be more doc than concert, but it always has music playing in the background. So I have decided to take mm-hmm. the concert approach. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> right, cool. But he's definitely decided that I'm not going to just make this a concert movie. It's going to actually have some some substance around it, right? And so I think that's why people love it so much. Um, I just know that I'm not that kind of people, you know? Um, and I, I enjoy it despite that. Um, what was I going to say? I, I really love the name of this movie because it, it riffs on... Um, uh, it ri- it, it kind of adds a bit of humor and riffs on um, the bomb... Um, uh, why all of a sudden am I forgetting the movie, the, the name of this movie with, with Peter Sellers? Um, or how I learned to live with the bomb. What's the Okay, Dr. Oh, Strangelove. Dr. Strange, Strange, yeah. right? So it does the same thing that Dr. Strangelove does. And, um, and I love that the subtitle um, refers to also the history of, of how this movie got made. Um, because essentially, this festival was apparently it was the third annual festival i don't know if they continued after that um i don't know how long they continued after that if they did i don't know anything about this festival really but for some reason this one was special and the fellow tony something i think it might be lawrence um who set it up uh made sure that it was filmed and really wanted to you know showcase it and it probably got lost because it was it happened the same year as Woodstock, and so Woodstock, you know, the white version of this um, mm-hmm. got all the all the praise, and this kind of got shoved to a back shelf somewhere. Nobody really wanted to buy it or to distribute it or to use it in any way. Sounds similar to like the Aretha Franklin duct from a couple of years ago. Um, kind of, except I keep hearing the story that Aretha Franklin herself didn't want it to go anywhere too, right? Ah, true. Yeah, that's probably, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it just got lost. And for some reason, somehow, Questlove in, I guess, maybe five years ago, some time ago now, um, got connected with either this fellow or somebody in like some relation to the project and and they they got it put on but it's essentially all of this film sat down in somebody's basement for like 40 years or however long it was this was in 1969 um and just um came out now which is why i love that whole you know it didn't get televised little joke yeah to to the history Um, um so yeah it's it's a fun little movie and Whichever way you want to come into this movie, you can come into this movie and enjoy it. So, please watch. All right, I think I'm gonna pick this up here. Um, so I've ordered my movies. You guys saw the list, but I've ordered them in order of importance. No, um, that meaning point. the end of it are the things that I feel are important, and we need to talk about the beginning of it. I'm just like, yeah, I'm just gonna mention these. Um, so starting out with, I rewatched More Better Blues. And I'm not going to really talk about this movie. Um, I don't know if you guys have specifically seen this one 
I'm assuming Damien has. I don't know if Douglas has. I have um, seen a teeny tiny bit of it. I've definitely heard a piece of it because I listened to The Roots. Yep. But um, I, I, just I want definitely to mention, haven't watched the whole movie. I, I just want to mention, I think I've decided this is one of the top tier Spike Lee movies and move yeah. along. Um, like it's, yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah. Um, then following that up with, I watched the latest Soderbergh movie because who am I if I don't watch a Steven yeah. Soderbergh movie? Yeah, that's true. So, um, as as the head of his fan club, that. I guess you have to. <laughs> I saw you tweet about that on Friday night and I almost sent back a response to say we are both creatures of like predictable creatures because literally while you were watching that movie, I was watching the Questlove movie and yeah. we like... We, we know, like, I must have to watch that as soon as that comes out, and you must have to watch the other yes. one as soon as it comes out. Um, guys, Steven Soderbergh needs to throw his fucking iPhone away. Right? <laughs> he needs to, like, before I even get to talking about the story, Steven Soderbergh, I get it, you love to experiment. His career has been entirely end-to-end about experimentation, yeah. doing very different things, trying a lot of stuff, whether it be in editing, filming, writing, mm-hmm. character. And a lot of it is the reason why I love what he does in the movies I like that he does. It's been like four or five movies of this shit. Please throw your fucking iPhone away. Right? But Stop you, it. I... But you can make... It's the same... And Andrew, what is wrong? He has the money to buy a proper camera. What? <laughs> Andrew, you're just being elitist? <laughs> Fuck you. He probably has like Please 30 have... of them for God all I know. Damn time. Um... Why? What's it... Why are you trying to prove? <laughs> Who gives a shit? <laughs> make the best looking thing you can make so that I can give you my money. What is this? Who are you trying... To... What are you trying to prove? Also, Apple is a trillion well, dollar company. They don't need your help, dog. <laughs> They've been selling phones just fine. Um, so yeah. Don't like this movie. I could have told you <laughs> also that. On I saw the, the trailer. Hey, hey, I saw the trailer. <laughs> I would have told you. You don't, this ain't it. But it's um, when Andrew really tells me that a Soderbergh movie is bad. I cannot even begin to imagine how I bad this movie is. Watching this trailer and I wasn't exactly excited, but I was like, I could see if I... Yeah, it looked like he was, like, back on his, like, out-of-sight game. Yeah, because he's called Soderbergh. Like, (laughs) he saw the title. He saw his name, and then that colored... The rose tint that people talk about is Steven Soderbergh's name. That trailer is bad. You know how I know? Because when I saw Andrew watch it, I went, let me look at this trailer again. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I'm not wrong. And then no, if you put Don Cheadle and Benicio del Toro stars, together, two like, stars he gave it, right? Right. Something like um, that. Two. I gave it two stars. Yeah. Yeah. Which for Andrew um, and a Soderbergh movie means it's a half star movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a- the movie gives you Fat Brendan Fraser, which is hilarious. Um, Ray Liotta in one of the most Ray Liotta ass roles, um, and. Benicio del Toro, like Benicio del Toro, is in the trailer. There's this mm-hmm. bit where, like, he's he 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 wants to relax. He's had a long day, and he just takes a tarp and puts over the lady that he's he's mm-hmm. abducting. He's like yeah. has a gun in front of. Mm-hmm. Um, he's criminaling is the word I want right. to use. Um, and David Harbour, oh, David Harbour is so ridiculous in this movie. I love. I I I mean, we all fell in love with David Harbour with Stranger Things. 
And then we've seen him go from project to project, which has been ups and downs. I look at you, um, Hellboy. Um, <laughs> um, <I will> never. <laughs> There's not <laughs> enough cocaine on the planet. <laughs> but but David Harbour's pretty good in this movie. Um, but overall, this movie is just kind of like it's. It's a movie that all it does is it reminds me of the better Steven Soderbergh movies I love and then puts on display all of the shitty iPhone-ness that I hate, right? And, like, we... I know we all had mixed feelings around Logan Lucky, right? It, but he basically tries to rekindle no, that sort of... Douglas, be quiet. Um, no I, I have to say that I, I came right. back around on the yes. right track. Yes. Um, and I think we all love that movie. He apologized <laughs> for being wrong. <laughs> um, but like he tries to rekindle that sort, of, that sort of vibe in every movie now where he's making these, tor- these pared-down Oceans movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and like he likes to make them look like they're like these actors came on because they're believes in belief in the project and yes. they love the thing that's going on. Mm-hmm. Like for real, this movie is just a lamer version of um the nice guys, right? Set in the fifties with an iPhone. Fuck that iPhone. Um, fuck this movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> but tell us what you really think about this movie. <laughs> the next movie I want to talk about. Next movie I want to talk about is the latest Pixar film of Luca. Yeah, I want to watch that. Um, it it's okay. It's yeah. it's pretty good. It's I, it's, I, I, I have decided that this movie beyond, isn't necessarily a story of these two young boys, young fish boys, mm. mermen, merboys, whatever <laughs> term you want to come up with, um, eating pasta in Rome, in Italy. I like to think of this as the origin story of Waluigi. Okay. Um, yeah. the villain in this movie okay. is like the best Pixar villain you could have ever wanted. Is it better than Ryan the Last Dragon? I haven't watched that movie. What the fuck is happening? I don't think <laughs> this podcast is anymore. <laughs> I've not watched you Ryan have children, the Last dog. Dragon. How are you not? How have you not seen this? I don't know. I don't know. What's, I don't know what's happening anymore. Um, um but you said it's he's fun. not asking to watch things like. That's we not... put on music for him, and he's like into it. Um, he's not yet into like he's not yet into like the movies yet. Like I'll like send you guys pictures job. as jokes. I think I'll send you guys pictures as jokes for like when I sent you the picture of him yeah. watching Akira, yeah. which is really his head was in the direction of yeah. the television. Uh, listen, the thing, this, we know <laughs> the thing. The thing that I find that I love so much, um, especially with the Euros going mm-hmm. on right now, is that literally he will be asleep in his crib. Mm-hmm. And then and be like, I'm out. I don't give a shit as to what's going on. And then the football starts, and he's like, I'm up. Mm-hmm. I'm in for this football. And like he'll be going crazy. And then we put him down, and he's watching the football. He's like, I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Italy is playing. I'm, I'm yeah. watching football. He's <laughs> your son. Raising a little football fan. I love it. <laughs> um, but yeah. he sees that you are excited. He can feel that you yeah. guys are excited, and so yeah. he's excited too. That's how children work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't like sports but, yeah. because I decided arbitrarily one day, hey, sports. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think I was given an option. <laughs> Everyone loves sports. So, no, I love sports. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, uh, moving on the list. Um, on to movies that I actually care about. 
Um, I saw the Grace, Grace Jones documentary from 2017, Grace Jones, Bloodlight and Bami. Um, why am I saying that weird? Bami. I, I, I know what yeah, you're is. from here. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a fascinating documentary. It's directed by Sophie Fiennes, um, the same lady who ended up directing the, the film we talked about earlier this year, um, Ideology, the crazy man and his ideology. Yeah, man movie the idiot's guide to um, ideology okay. yeah idiot's guide to ideology um this movie is fascinating i don't know if i love this documentary but i really am interested in it it's it's very much like kind of like what douglas was talking about with summer of soul it's like half concert doc half doc but the doc part of it is very like unscripted un not really tamed not it's very like raw so like there's a lot of performances which first of all I'm sad to say I did not know Grace Jones was much of a musical performer. I knew really? of her from like movies and like fashion. Wow. I didn't really know about her music. Okay. Right? Can um, you stop so, like, someone through? I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to sit down here and say that I've, I've ever actually listened to a lot or even any of Grace Jones' music. But she is a prolific musician. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure, like, if I had heard a song, like, I thought of, I probably took it in, like, the way that you hear, like, Eddie Murphy's songs, mm -hmm. where you're like, oh, he tried a thing. That's <laughs> 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 the meanest thing I've ever heard anyone say about Grace Jones. <laughs> awful. <laughs> No, oh that was God. pointed at Eddie Murphy. <laughs> yeah, he, but he's he and his songs are bad. <laughs> Grace Jones, <laughs> it's good. Yep, they're amazing. Um, and just the performances that they have in this documentary of Grace Jones on stage doing her songs mm -hmm. are so fucking good. Yeah, like they are mesmerizing. So and that's the thing I always heard about. Like even before getting into Grace Jones, the thing that people loved about her is that her performances are incredible. Like, she and Prince are the two people. When I think about and of course Michael Jackson, but we try not to talk about him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing that I heard about them. For, before anything else, they're just like, these people put on a show. You are going, not only for the music, but for the thing that they're about to do on stage. So I'm surprised that that didn't filter to you of all people. Douglas is even yep. more surprised. I don't understand. Both of us. <laughs> well, I know, um, but you guys don't like Celine Dion, so maybe it's one of those things where you guys were just wrong for some arbitrary reason. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, I remain correct about Celine Dion. I mean, you're so wrong. Right <laughs> so very wrong. Um, but yeah, but the rest of the doc of this movie is like on what's the word like non-narrated just random footage right so there'll be footage of her like coming to jamaica and seeing her family there'll be footage of her in france waiting to do a show there'll be footage of her talking to her ex-husband and like it's very difficult at times to kind of draw the line between what they're talking about in the documentary sections to like what shows up in the performances and it, it was quite jarring to watch. But at the same time, like, it was still a documentary that fascinated me from end to end. Um, and I quite enjoyed, like, if for nothing else, the performances in this movie is worth gold, right, of watching this movie. Um, it's great. It's always um, weird to find out things that I 
assume you guys <laughs> no we've been friends for long enough <laughs> and we talk about pop culture non-stop and to see that there's thing there's still things even though where it i just assumed that you guys were into these things because it's i'm essentially overlapping my childhood onto yours i'm just like oh of course I know this. Look, if you come, so, if you come to me and you say, so Andrew these guys Grace have Jones, to lose. Yeah, the things that pop, the thing that pops into my mind is, oh, the Bond villain. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And yes. no, what about Boomerang? Nope, Bond villain. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> all right, Douglas wins this round. <laughs> <laughs> that was an Eddie Murphy movie, right? That's the right yeah. one that she's yes. in. Yeah, yeah. she yeah. was. She's amazing in that movie. She's amazing, yeah. like all the time in general She's great. too much yeah. talent is what that yeah. lady has <laughs> and i mean that's one of the things that the documentary makes clear like if you didn't know this mm-hmm. right like like it, it's one of the things that i find more and more fascinating around what i would dub performative artists um which it's not just that they can sing and they can go on stage and they can put they can do that or that they are fashion Forward, models who yeah. right like when you come to recognize that almost every facet of what ends up on that stage was artist was was intentionally put there by her and made to make a show complete like that kind of comes through like in every moment of that doc which i love yeah some people are Um, more talented than all of us (laughs) (laughs) you just have to accept that as a reality (laughs) all right um but yeah Moving down this list, I finally saw a movie from 1980 that I've been wanting to watch forever, which is a film by William Friedkin that is Cruising, starring Al Pacino. Um, nobody warned me that in 1980, William Friedkin was making Brian De Palma films. <laughs> right? <That> he, <laughs> like, I know William Friedkin to be like a filmmaker who does like these gritty cop movies and like these stories that are like pervasive but not really like the way De Palma does like perversions of stories right I almost want to take a look at the years and see if this is where Brian De Palma learned it because I watch this movie and like when it's over I'm like holy shit it's a De Palma movie um it's it's I mean it's ridiculous it's um, Al Pacino is a young police officer who is drawn into a asked to go undercover in the gay community because um, there are some murders happening in the gay community um, and they need to get to the end of it. Um, and I don't think I really love this movie. Like, it's just kind of there, but I've, I'm not going to lie. Like, when the movie ended, I kind of had to give it a thumbs up in my head. Where I'm like, you got me, movie. You did you did things. Um, Pacino is excellent. Um, it's always weird to see young, really young Pacino. Yeah, before he lost his mind. Yeah, man. <laughs> I rewatched, I rewatched Heat recently, and like, I want to believe deep down inside that Pacino showed up on set every day and thought I was doing a comedy. Uh, I think he showed up on set high on cocaine. Is what. I think. <laughs> there's no, there's a point where Pacino had subtlety, and then at some point he just lost all, like all of that just disappeared. And he became another actor. I I enjoy. Is this is the Nick Cage thing? There's a point where Nick Cage had subtlety, 
and then the nineties, and then he lost all of like he was never seen <laughs> or heard from again. And I mean, crack was big in the nineties. <laughs> Maybe they're on crack. Who knows? Prove me wrong, right. internet. Prove me wrong. <laughs> Are you saying prove me that crack didn't exist? In no, the prove me that they weren't on crack in the nineties. <laughs> all right. Last few things to mention. Um, I find, I watched a film um, by the name of Bells Are Ringing, um, a musical from 1960, never, never. starring Douglas, um, directed by Vincent Minnelli. Again. Hey Douglas, Douglas <laughs> we have to stop him from. He's been doing this for months now. <laughs> he's making up fake, like waiting for us to call him on his fake movies. He's like, when will they Google one of these movies and call me out? <laughs> I don't think this movie is real. <laughs> you don't. You call it yeah, me out I, Listen, like Scrabble. Somebody get a dictionary. That word is fake. <laughs> so yeah, bells are ringing. Um, directed by Vincent Manelli, someone who I adore his musicals, but this is one of the ones I've been missing. Um, starring Dean Martin and um, Judy Holiday, a young actress who I don't. I don't think I've ever seen anything from. But I learned apparently she was an actress who had a very short career in Hollywood. Um, unlike a lot of actresses at the time who, at the time, like they make like 20 movies a year, right? Um, she probably made 20 movies over six and then stopped, right? Um, she, I think probably the only other movie I think I've seen her in is a musical with um, Frank Sinatra on the town. Um, which, you know, making all those Rat Pack connections there. Um, so this movie, Bells Are Ringing, is about Judy Holiday, who is a woman who works at a, at the time, answering machine service um, that they called Phone, which I'm going to call it favorite name for like a dumb service, right? Um, and like, you know, it's an answering service. Someone calls your phone, you're not home. She takes a message. And when you get home, they'll tell you what the message was. However, she doesn't just do that. She, like, hooks people up because she knows, like, this guy needs a thing. That lady ah. needs a thing. I'm going to let them know that they exist and figure things out, right? Um, which is how she ends up in the life of one Mr. Dean Martin, who is a um, playwright who's having trouble getting his work done. Um, and she also plays characters on the phone. So Dean Martin for this whole time thinks she's like an elder lady and calls her mother. And then she appears in real life and he doesn't know who she is. And, you know, it's the usual musical tropes, right? Where there's a lie and they're falling in love and like then the lie comes out kind of stuff. Um, the movie is probably middling as it relates to musicalness, right? It even feels cheap to have Dean Martin in it because like... Dean Martin is doing his thing where he like almost seems half drunk half the time and is like falling over his lyrics and stuff. Um, but what this movie has in spades is Judy Holiday, right? This movie has made me an instant fan of Judy Holiday. She is immense. Like I'm, I'm more surprised that she isn't as well known as say like a Lucille Ball. Right, based on the performance she gives in this I movie. Guess, as you said, she didn't do a lot of movies, so maybe that's why. Right. Um, I am like it's it's weird how this kind of works out. Like these are bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're like, I'm still in I'm still in the process of like rewatching the Sopranos, 
Um, like I'm in the final season and I I got to an episode where someone references a Judy Holiday movie. And then you see Tony Soprano watching the movie and I'm like, oh, I should watch that one. Like I can watch that on the Criterion um, channel, which I probably will. Um, but yeah, she is just stellar. Like there's, I think one of my favorite points in this movie is there's a point where like she's um torn between like going to see dean martin again where she's like i don't want to go and see him and lie again but i want to see him because i like him kind of stuff and like like her physical performance you can see her like going back and forth and like she almost makes this this stance like like someone about to go into battle and like giving out this grunt that just fe- like it, i was dying with laughter like it's it's one of these movies which is like it's all about the slapsticky comedy that they can create um, and how characters just play off each other. There's there's a whole other thing of like a guy um, taking space in the Suzanne Serphone office who he is a bookie and he is like using the guise of the Suzanne Serphone to take messages of people making record orders that is a coded message to make a bet at the track. Um, and there's like the vice squad is watching them to be like something shady is going on here and like it's all of these ridiculous things that are of movies of the time and i fell in love with everything but the musicals um of this movie like um there are probably like two songs in this movie that i really like um but the rest of it is just kind of like random nonsense like there's a song in this movie which is like one of the cheapest shittiest songs ever where like she goes, Dean Martin is a playwright, so he's like writing um, this movie, and he goes to like a party, and everyone at the party is like Hollywood people, and so like they have conversations where they're like, we were walking down the street, and Buster and then um, Keaton showed up, and she's like confused, and she's like, oh no, we were talking about Buster Keaton. And she's like, oh, I get it. You're just name dropping. And then they do a whole song about like name dropping. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and I, and then I found it kind of shitty that they included the director's name, Vincent Minnelli, in the song. And I'm like, oh, you stupid shit. Um, but yeah, Judy Holiday, A plus movie C. <laughs> um, the last thing I want to talk about, because I've, I've like made the Tump group like just filled with this nonsense, is I'm going to talk about Mythic Quest. Um, I finished the second season this morning mm-hmm. of Mythic Quest. Um, I still don't think this show is great. This is madness. Right? This, this, conv- this whole conversation is <laughs> I still, for some reason, enjoy it, though. I think my favorite part of this show is Fred Murray. Um, um, what's his name again? F. Murray Abraham? Yes, F. Murray Abraham. F. Murray Abraham. I don't know why I said Fred. Maybe like I'm in old movie thoughts and I'm thinking of Fred McMurray. Um, but no, I'm thinking F. Murray Abraham. Um, like his character is like one of the most ridiculous people in the show, even more yeah. so than Rob McClaney, who is known for being a ridiculous piece of shit. Yeah. Right? Um, I saw a joke online the other day um, that made me chuckle about F. Murray Abraham, where they were like, clearly his parents didn't like a fellow called Murray Abraham, so they named him <laughs> F. Murray Abraham. And I was just like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm down with that kind of shitty joke. That's not bad. <laughs> In the second season, they have a they have a um, backstory episode for him where they show him as like a young copywriter mm-hmm. and how he, like, 
it makes it perfectly clear. Like, I don't know if it's that the show wants to make fun of science fiction writers um, or if they just want to double down on how dumb F. Murray Abraham's character C.W. Longbottom is as it relates to his concept of fantasy story writing. But it is just so stupid. Like, it's, I think it's like how Damien envisions movies like, um, like Blade Runner, where they're like, it's science fiction, don't think about it. Yeah. While everyone else is trying to be like, no, it has to make sense. Um, but F. Murray is like, no, I'm just, it's horses because of reasons. It's robot horses for reasons. Um, and nonsense. The show, however, just continues to fascinate me. I am really happy like towards the end of the show that they stopped making dumb streamer jokes because we not necessarily it. my opinion of streamers <laughs> it's just cheap yeah. right it's the joke is just cheap right and they don't really make anything fun about it outside of being mean right like i get it yeah, it's a dumb profession um, that you can mock relentlessly yes I agree but you them. can you need to mock more than one way you can't just be like it's the basement troll dwelling like nonsense but streaming. There's so many streamers. <laughs> um, get better at jokes for them is all I'm saying. Fair I'm not saying it, it's not something to make fun of. Hey, I'm saying hey, I'm never going to watch the show, so I take your point. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, like I know a lot of shows were doing this due to the last year and a half. I'd like to say I think this show has the best Zoom pandemic episode. Right, um, of all of the shows I've seen that did this, um, so yeah, Mythic Quest. All right, I don't know if there will be a season three, but let's, let's hope not so that you don't have to do this to yourself anymore. <laughs> you don't have to keep watching terrible, terrible TV. Um, all right, I got weird when I saw Horizon Zero Dawn mm -hmm. in like the video game footage, and then I had to like do some googling to see what the connection is between this show and Horizon Zero Dawn, yeah, and it's just money. The connection um, is money. Sony, Sony, Sony gave them Sony money. Sony owns Lionsgate. Oh, of course. Sony owns Lionsgate. And Amazon um, and production. Apple bought it from Lionsgate. All, right, all of this Lionsgate. <laughs> all right. We've been, yeah. we've been on this call for 18 hours. So <laughs> let me hurry this up. Uh, in the fight of nobody versus Wrath of Man, uh, I'm here to tell you that nobody... Uh, it came close. Not really. Nobody doesn't win. <laughs> Nobody loses. Wrath of Man is a better, is a better movie. Um, this, here are the things I like about Nobody. I like the opening. They establish really quickly how tedious this man's life is. They do all of that in five minutes. They don't prolong that section. I enjoy that part. Here's the reason Nobody cannot be as good as wrath of man because the revenging doesn't make as much sense he is the instigator and so by its very nature you can't really root for him or you'd like to root for him because nothing has actually happened to him he started beating up people and as a consequence had to continue beating up people there's no empathy for that <laughs> no what happened to him is he's a sad sad man yeah who doesn't get laid anymore I mean, that too. But if, if the person who robbed him was the did something else and then he had to go after that person, it's a simpler story. It's a well-worn story. But you understand everyone's motives. He is just a dick 
that felt the need to fight some people on a bus and now has to deal with the consequences, which is okay because it's poor man's John Wick. And even a poor man's, nobody proves that even a poor man's John Wick is still somewhat John Wick. And you always enjoy someone being John Wick. It's fun. The accountant proved that. Nobody proves that. But Wrath of Man is better because you get to enjoy a full revenge. <laughs> Every part of Wrath of Man is just perfect on the nose vengeance. And how the movie meters um, out how why he is doing what he's doing is good. Andrew kind of oversold the part where his friends saw him and turned around. Like Andrew sold it as Oh, these guys just took one look at this man and it's just like, no, they're his friends. Of course they turned around. <laughs> look, look, in the moment of the scene, that's how it's sold to you. And you buy it that way. And it works effectively. Like later on, like they explain it away. No, but even, even before it happened, there you understand that he isn't who he says he is. And that he has to be some big bad. Right, you get all of that very early. You're just like, oh, he's in here trying to find who did what. The thing I enjoy about Wrath of Man is that all of my predictions about who done it was incorrect, and I enjoy that. That part I actually enjoy. They had to jump through a lot of hoops to get that done, but they did get it done, and that is okay. Um, the ending of this movie is very weak, <laughs> weak though. Uh, uh, the transporter line from Venom. The transporter teleports himself from one place to another, and no explanation is made so that the movie can end. But with revenging, there are always concessions. And <laughs> the concession is there's no way he could have teleported to the place that he was at the end of that movie. It doesn't. That's not physically possible, but who cares? I prefer Wrath of Man to nobody. Um, now, I spent all of this week, when I wasn't watching Tomp designated movies, re-watching the best thing on TV, The Expanse. And Amazon said, hey, Damien, because Amazon and HBO do this, Never mind, I'm, we're paying you money. Here's an ad for something else. Yeah, that annoys me. Amazon, uh, Amazon does said... HBO doesn't do that, but Amazon does that. Um, HBO does do that. That's why... <laughs> HBO, well done, son. HBO <laughs> does do... I, I mean, none of my stuff. This is just a bit. As you can see, this room is for murdering people. There's just a bed and nothing else inside. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense because at least you don't have to wash the sheets when, yeah. you're, when you're done, yeah. right? It's, yeah, we'll just light this on fire. <laughs> there's, there's actually uh, uh, <laughs> water that comes down out of the ceiling and just washes this entire room. <laughs> so Amazon is like, hey, Damien. Uh, there's a movie about time travel and the end of the world, and it has Chris Pratt in it. And I saw the, yeah. it's the first time I saw the trailer since the Super Bowl. Movie, but it looks bad. And I went, oh, I guess this is a movie. And then something magical happened. 
I didn't realize that if you click on the ad, it takes you to the movie page. Didn't realize it did that. On that movie page, there is a rating system. And the rating at the time that I saw it had one star. And I went, thank you, Amazon. I will continue watching the experts and not watch whatever this terrible, terrible movie is. And so Amazon, th- I haven't seen whatever that space time travel foolishness movie is, but I'm not going to because if people on Amazon is just like, hey, don't do this, then I'm going to, I'm going to listen to them. And then outside of that, much like the last time we spoke, I watch a lot of sports. Wimbledon is on, the Euros is on, Copa is on, basketball is on, and Formula One. All I'm missing is the NFL, and then I'd be, and despite Douglas's valiant efforts, and I'd applaud him for his valiant efforts, and despite all common sense saying, they should not do this. The Olympics is coming. <laughs> and I, I'm going to be, there. I should love the World Cup more than Olympics. I should love the World Cup more than everything else. I do not love anything more than I love the Olympics. Because the Olympics is all sports. All at once. <laughs> sports that no one cares about. Sports that I can only care about every four years. It does not matter. The Olympics says, hey, Damien, the thing you want, we're going to give you three weeks of. <laughs> we're going to give you a run-up week where no, where they, we just remind you of how good the Olympics is. We'll give you the opening week with fake sports that no one cares about. And then, just as you start to tire of fake sports, we take you to the track. And then you have one final week of beautiful track and field. And then by the time that's over, the EPL will start back. It's perfect. It's, actu- it's, it's, be- it's beautiful to behold. And so that's, that's all I have. That's all I have for uh, Douglas, nobody's not that great. Andrew, Wrath of Man is better. <laughs> It's a better movie. Uh, I'm disappointed. I'm right. You're it's a like movie. I can. It's better revenge. I can live with. I can live with you saying one is better than the other, but that nobody isn't that good. Oh, I like it's, nobody. Else. It's watered down. It's As you say, it is poor man's John Wick. Yeah. I know it's poor man's John Wick, but I appreciate that. No, but you know what you could do instead of watching nobody ever again. Watch John Wick. <laughs> Just pick oh, any John man. Wick. Yeah. No, Wrath and of watch Man. that. You could watch Wrath, Wrath of Man. Man. Is fine. Like I, I would say, Wrath of Man is fine. Nobody is pretty decent. It's pretty good. Not great. Pretty good. I enjoyed it a lot. Wrath of Man was. Eh. I seek sun deceive none for each one must teach one at least one must flow and show the structure of freedom it's me done cause petty things we don't need them let's focus to create something great for all that sees them they innocent they know not what they face while politicians save face genius minds lay the waste if I wasn't kicking rhymes I'd be kicking down doors creating social change and defending the poor the guards always been militant and ready for now that we're getting somewhere